0: Let me ask if anybody feels like they're able to pose a question and about. I
1: mind, basic. I, I appreciate. I can go a little out there. When I first started my blog, I called it "In Too Deep" because uh, I do have that tendency to <laughs> go. Yeah, David has experienced
0: long. a lot of things that uh, uh, that may be out of our experience. So, but this is an opportunity to interact with somebody who's has had that experience so what do you guys want to ask
1: yeah i get uh, emails all the time on through my blog because i talk about a huge range of different kinds of things everything from you know deceased relatives showing up at uh someone's bedside and uh, to uh you know the how the world comes to be it's kind of from a um oh someone saying they can't unmute themselves
0: Oh, thank you for, for telling me that. Okay, let me do that.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, that's kind you... of my fascination was how the world comes out of consciousness. So I go into that a lot.
0: Okay, see if you guys can unmute now.
2: Uh, I have a, a question, David. So the experience of um, witnessing of sort of the separation of the, I guess the, I'm probably not describing this as well as you could, but sort of the, the separation of the self from the consciousness. How would you, on the spectrum of like a purely intellectual event of like just theorizing something in your head to a event that is as real and as physical as us sitting here talking to each other right now, where on that continuum would you place that experience
1: of like that expansion of consciousness?
0: It's,
1: it's as real It's right on that other edge of, of being as real as we're talking right now. Um, now it's more abstract than, than a physical thing, but consciousness is, can, when we first experience it, can be this distant kind of thing. We, we can sort of like seeing it through the fog, but as it gets clear, it becomes very um, real, uh, but also it becomes very intimate because it's who we are. You know, is it an intimate or as our most int- intimate thing? Um, so yeah, a real st- solid sense of, of reality to it. But of course, there's degrees, because we can have, you know, a vague sense of of not being this, but not really clear on what we are instead, or or uh, we can have a taste of. Of being the witness and then we fall back in the mind and then uh, the mind kind of like oh i don't know about that and and uh, you know doubting and, and so on and, and and there's just flavors of quality um witnessing deep sleep is is when it's really obvious because uh there's that wakefulness when when the body is asleep and, and if we actually are clear enough we try to move the body it won't move because it's asleep and you occasionally see stories of people who start to witness sleep and, and they can't move their body and they kind of freak out about it because <laughs> I can't move my body, but the body is asleep. <laughs> they, they woke up during sleep and they didn't see, watch their body fall asleep. Um, so it kind of makes them nervous. Um, so there's kind of like variations of spiritual things that are essentially a spiritual experience where people don't recognize them as, as such. So there's a lot of nuances and and, and flavors of, of this can show up. Um, lucid dreaming is is somewhat related to, to witnessing dreams uh witnessing is, is kind of a staged deeper in a sense but it's very similar to that kind of description where people are are conscious during their dreams and 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 remember them although, although personally I, I kind of see uh dreaming dreams as kind of taking out the trash it's kind of processing mm-hmm. the day's experience mm-hmm. and it's kind of random noise a lot of it um so i just kind of let it go by and don't pay a lot of attention to it. But some people, you know, that that's that, that's one of the ways they tune into their, their uh, intuition and that. So it it, it varies.
2: Um, and one one more that's sort of semi-related. Uh, obviously sort of the, the yogic sciences, and you are a um, you have a master's degree, so you're very learned in this field. Have you found that the the clarity of these experiences have increased in proportion to the depth that you've studied them? or
1: no um the studying them is valid so there's some context for the experience but the challenge is that when we if we've dealt concepts about them with things we haven't experienced so for example when i first woke up i had these concepts about what it was supposed to be like like a, there was some sense it was going to be something special and i was really surprised when it was just completely normal and ordinary <laughs> That's actually really typical. People are, are surprised by it, but it's a natural state for people. Uh, it hasn't been as na- normal or, or typical rather in, in recent years, but it's becoming much more common, more recently, and especially in the last 10 years. Um, but I had these concepts about what it's supposed to be like. And um, I basically had to throw all those concepts out and then settle into it and then bring them back again in a new context. And then I realized, well, my, what my teacher said was accurate but how I had interpreted that it was, was wrong. But still, there's this kind of thing. Um, like in, the, in one of the old texts, uh, a very famous sage says that it's important to die, desire unity. Unity is a further stage after awakening. But, you know, as I point out in my writing, um, you're not going to desire unity if you don't know it's there. And so, um, so there's, a, uh, there's a, some importance to, to being aware of this. Now, some, some teachers view that that um, the concepts about these stages is, is going to be a barrier to living them in the sense that, that I talked about already. And so they avoid talking about stages. But what that's done is created a, a scenario where some teachers teach that there are no further stages because their teacher didn't talk about them. And you know, um, or the, and and they a lot of what's happened in the non-dual community, for example, is they take in Vedanta, which is about oneness and and totality, where everything is all one, and inclusive, and they've applied that to the initial awakening, and they kind of say, well, there's this inner oneness, and I experience the world as illusory, so it I can skip that, ignore that part. So it's oneness, and this is oneness, and this is Vedanta, but it's mm-hmm. not actually actual Vedanta is inclusive of the world. It, it, it brings it all back in again, okay. but now in the context of consciousness. So um, each, each stage brings its own basically sense of reality and, um, and sense of the world, as I mentioned, and sense of self. Um, so there's, there's kind of two old sayings from, uh, from, from the uh, teachers, of, from the tradition is, uh, knowledge is different in different states of consciousness Mm-hmm. And knowledge is structured in consciousness um, and so it, uh, when you're reading spiritual works it's having a sense of the stages gives you an idea of where they're speaking from or to uh, because if we think that it's all the same then when somebody's te- is speaking about one stage and we're trying to s- interpret it through this other stage or understand then they kind of get mushed together yeah. uh, and uh that's that somewhat happened in Buddhism, for example, where, where Buddha did, did speak to further stages, but because they avoided talking about stages, they now, most um, uh, Buddhist teachers that I've talked to are, have this assumption that there's, there's just one. Where you have people like Adyashanti, on the other hand, uh, he's a Westerner who's in the Zen Buddhist tradition, um, who uh, has gone through uh, over four stages of it now. So he does talk about stages.
2: That was a very thorough answer. Thank you for that. (laughs) Sorry. No, 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 that that, that went further in depth than I was expecting you to go. Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome.
0: I have a question. Um,
3: Is this practice just about living more, like being more aware of your surroundings and then being deeper into life than just what we see? Like as a physical aspect.
1: Yes, you could frame it that way. Uh, it, when, when you look at it as a as I spoke about in, in part of it there, um, seeing the seeing um, yoga as renunciate practice right, when you try and discount and avoid the world, um, then then um, the the balance is wrong. Whereas if you see it as part of an uh, of, of a a growth a personal process it's not about some you know uh, ultimate goal of enlightenment per se it's about the process the path itself and a progressive progressive development of quality of life so that you're you're not living in in suffering you know most people aren't, aren't going to think of themselves as living in suffering but when you're identified with a being an individual person and uh are experiencing life as happening to you, and um, and, uh, and and so forth. Then you basically it's 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 a it's a rough way to experience life. Whereas you can step back into that broader context of, of consciousness itself, and you can heal the various uh, traumas and challenges in in in, uh, in your body, mind, and emotions, then your quality of life goes up dramatically over time. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's great. (laughs) Thank you.
4: Um, I had a question. Uh, I was wondering, so whenever you reach samadhi, it's like, uh, or I I was wondering, once you reach samadhi, you also reach like some understanding about how um, you are not your body nor your mind. So I was wondering if this was uh, completely departed from the mind, then um, what processes this information? Like what,
1: um, through what need Yeah, yeah it, it's a good point. Person. Yeah. Um, so samadhi is kind of like this thing where at first we just kind of, it's like dipping our toe in the water, you know, we just kind of touch in and out and touch in and out. And then over time, we're able to go in more deeply and, and fully. And, and then we're able to go in but oftentimes at first we don't even notice we, we were until afterwards when we come out, because when we go in, the mind goes silent. There's nothing thinking about it or experiencing it. It's just, it's just a quiet space. And then we come out, it's like, Oh, and then we start thinking, Oh, I wasn't thinking there for a minute. And, but gradually consciousness itself becomes more awake to itself, so to speak um, through that purification and so on. And then it becomes more and more, uh, obvious uh, in our experience. And then it becomes more and more obvious that that's who we are in our essential nature. So it's kind of like like a gradual process of repeated experience and um, getting to know this deeper part. At first, we don't experience it ourselves. It's just some blank space, essentially, in our meditation. Um, and then just gradually, uh, it's, it's uh, more integrated into our experience. Is that, uh, did that answer your question?
4: Um yeah sort of also I was wondering um basically the way I I thought of it for a long time is I always had like mind almost synonymous with brain and I was wondering um could samadhi also be ha- have activity in the brain or would that be considered like
1: also have ha- having the mind active well the mind has a certain um uh, pattern it, it displays during samadhi in the eeg um like it becomes more coherent. Uh, like I mentioned before, the, the, the brain starts working simultaneously. Um, the uh, brain waves become much finer. Um, but um, yeah, and, and it's just that repeated uh, experience integrates it into our daily life. So it's not a, it stops being a separate experience. It becomes part of just our, our regular, um, you know, and we get, get to know it better and better. But it really varies. I mean, some people, some people, um, they start meditation and it's like, it's like a light bulb goes off and it's like, oh yeah. And so what happens is, we, when it becomes clearer and clearer, and then the mind digests the experience afterwards, and then it kind of can give it words and 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 so on like that. But it's after the after uh, somebody uh, that we start to recognize it and, and can give it language and and relate to it. Um, it's actually one of the challenges at first, too, is, is because the experience is very quiet and there's no content to it, um, it doesn't make a memory impression. And so it's hard to refer back to. And so the mind doubts it. It's like, did I really have that experience? Did that ever happen? And then we have it again. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I had that before. And and even, you know, there, there are times when, you know, we can listen to beautiful music or, or um you know, see a beautiful sunset or something like that where we can fall back and, and have a trans uh, experience of samadhi. It's not uh, a rare thing. And in fact, uh, consciousness is essentially the neutral gear of our functioning. And um, each time we, we shift from waking to sleeping to, to dreaming to sleep and, and then waking up in the morning, we actually drop into consciousness for a moment. Uh, so we actually transcend every uh, multiple times every day, but what meditation practice does is help culture that so it becomes part of our daily life. Uh, mind is actually a field. Um, it we we experience it kind of we think of mind as being here in the head, because that's where there's a concentration of senses. Um, uh, most of our senses except for touch basically are concentrated there, and um, But actually, the mind is a field that surrounds our whole body. And there's kind of like these layers, or we have an emotional or or energy body that surrounds the physical body, and then we have a mental body that surrounds that, and then there's another one beyond that, that essentially, is the intellect or intuition, and and, uh, so on. They call those the koshas in the Vedic tradition, which basically means sheath, and that That matches the way consciousness becomes the physiology as well.
4: Yeah, that's starting to make more sense to me.
1: Yeah.
3: I had a question regarding um, reincarnation.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: So um, you mentioned something about that and like obviously that goes against like Christian beliefs and you said that you used to like be in church and stuff like that. So what's kind of like your basis for believing in reincarnation and just kind of like, What's that like about to you?
1: Well, one one of the things I'm I don't suggest particularly is belief in in the sense of believing anything I'm saying or whatever like that. It's it's this is more about uh, direct experience, discovering it for yourself. Um, I didn't. For me, I'd read about past lives and and reincarnation and stuff when I was younger, but didn't really have much. Um, I didn't really. I didn't know i didn't believe one way or the other it was to me to me it was a possibility um and then this situation developed in my life that that uh <clears throat> where i was under a lot of stress with work and and it didn't really make a lot of sense like for me what was i doing working for the police department um it was kind of like a joke if it, when i told people who who uh, didn't know me or introduced myself me or whatever like that that i worked for the police and people didn't wouldn't believe it because <laughs> that's not i'm not the typical guy who's out there wanting to uphold the law and and, uh and keep the peace and so on like that um and so it was a quandary in my life um for a while but what it did for me is it kind of broke through um when we come into this lifetime there's kind of a a veil that's put over our past memory and so that we can experience this life as it is Um, but uh, there is that potential to break through that veil and start to remember our prior lifetimes. And so that, <clears throat> that's what started to happen here. And once I'd opened the door, I basically gradually started to remember bits and pieces from my last life. And, uh, and then it kind of filled out a little bit more as, as, it, as I remembered. And I didn't recognize it as a past life at first, but it just it, as it filled out, it became more obvious. It wasn't just some weird imagination thing. And it turned out, eventually what I was remembering was the circumstances in that life that led to me experiencing uh, my life in the police department. It it made sense of this lifetime um, and the circumstances I was in. And so it just kind of gradually unfolded. And then over, you know, this this was in the 80s and just very gradually over a long period of time, I've gotten to know other lives and other things have opened up. Uh, I've met people who I had a past life connection with, a strong connection. And so um, there was, was just really obvious, uh, not necessarily what the connection was, but just that, you know, you meet someone and it's just like an immediate sort of like, I know you, where do I know you from? And, you know, but, you know, there's no, there's no connection in this life, but, but um, <clears throat> there's a strong, uh, you know, a heartfelt um, sense of connection with that person and uh, and then that sometimes would trigger memories that, that uh, oh that's where it was from and so on so it's not uh, there's lots of people who are uh, on that spiritual practices that I've never explored past lives and don't consider it important um, in my process it, it has had a role because it's uh, I have this strong intellect that wants to understand and so it's it's um, look back at that um, from my, I've, I've studied world religions uh, uh, as well uh, academically, and, and uh, I've also gone on and gotten a semin- seminary Ph.D. Um, and I, I have studied the, credit, the tradition, uh, the Christian tradition, as well, and that on that level. And the original Christians did, uh, from my interpretation, the original Christians did believe in past lives, but um, from my understanding, they, they removed that. Uh, Interpretation, because they didn't want people thinking they can get away with doing bad things, because they can just, you know, because uh, they didn't have another chance or whatever. But they want they wanted to encourage people to follow that. some Basically, some bad ideas got got into the culture, and so they wanted to move away from that. That's that's kind of my understanding.
3: I was going to say something about that too. Like, if there is reincarnation and we're aware of that, like, what's is there even a point to trying to do good in this life and trying oh, to Oh, yes,
1: very much. Yeah, see, yeah. the thing is that, well, it, fundamentally, it, it's about what they call karma. Karma means action. And essentially, you know, from the physical law, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And if we're, um, so that everything we do has a consequence. And so um, we have to deal with that at some point. And if we don't deal with it, you know, sh- short term, then we deal with it long-term, We don't deal with it long-term, then we deal with it in our next life. Um, and in, in fact, that, that was part of the thing about the whole police business in my prior life was I had this experience that it was basically a, a difficult, um, uh, a very difficult decision in that prior life. And, but I continued to doubt that decision. And what that did was it created a momentum for that to resolve itself, that need to resolve itself, <clears throat> and so in this lifetime, I experienced the opposite of the opposite, the, the opposite choice. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and uh, it would take a little bit of background to explain that, but but um, but basically, it it uh, I went through about a ten-year period in my life where I was resolving um, the, the quandary I found myself in from that part of life, and it, it wasn't actually about what happened. It was about how I responded to that that created this, this backlog. And so um, the, the idea is, is that you have control over your action, but you don't have control over how the, the results show up. And so um, the ideal is to, is to um, focus on doing the best you can. I mean, we all make mistakes and mess up, but doing the best we can. And to, to be working on working things out and uh, healing and uh, supporting others, uh, our loved ones and so on, and and um, and and through that we work through our our our, our debts, you could say. Um, and uh, yeah, the Christ, the Christian idea of sin is, is kind of um, is related, but um, it's kind of it makes it a little bit black and white. Um, whereas to me it's a little there's a little more nuance there, there's kind of gray areas where there's a, there's an influence but it's not as bad and it's easier to resolve and as as you become uh, more uh, skilled with consciousness itself you know like I mentioned the samyama from the yoga sutra um, you become able with some things to heal them on that level resolve them uh, energetically so that they don't have to show up as events in your life, <clears throat> excuse me, um, so it kind of, life gets simpler, and smoother, and a less, um, uh, less eventful, let's take a drink of water, here. so there's definitely advantages to, to doing the right thing, and, and doing our best, um, and that kind of stuff, because um, it has consequences, and it's, and again, the quality of life, you know, what kind of life do you want to lead? As you get into your uh, later years and retirement, <laughs> do you want to live a life of of regret, or or boy, I, I shouldn't have done that, uh, or do you want to live a life where where you can be satisfied with what you managed to accomplish?
3: Thank you for that. That was really interesting. I actually have another question, but I I feel bad because I keep asking questions. Is that okay? Oh, no, quite
1: right. Quite right. That's fine. Okay. Here.
3: I was just going to ask if um like the idea of like heaven and hell if that tied into your beliefs at all like where does that fit in or like relate with what you
1: believe. Well, uh, from my perspective, um the world is built up in layers and um as we get towards the physical level, um it's more they get more and more dense. And um in the Vedic, the Vedic tradition, they talk about <clears throat> this, uh, there being seven heavens and seven patalas, which are basically progressively worse places and earth kind of sits about the middle. Whereas to me, um, it's, about, it's more about quality of experience um, and it doesn't matter where you are and, and you know, on, the, on different layers, it's uh, your quality of experience. That determines whether you're in heaven or hell, essentially. Um, Because I've met people who were um, in my police days who were in a pretty bad way, and um, you know they they were basically living a a personal hell, and you know here in their in the physical world. And I've also met people who are um, just living in body. Uh, embodiments of, of divine qualities and uh, who, who have a powerful level' just they just live in happiness so they're, they're living heaven here in a human uh, body and the same is true although the higher you get in terms of the levels of the more refined levels they get more heaven like and until you <clears throat> you get to the what's uh, the the uh, what sometimes they call the causal level in in the Western tradition um, this is not in the koshas I mentioned earlier, the, the sheets. This is known as the bliss body, and um, um, it's also where some of the, the heavens are considered to reside, uh, where people go when they between lifetimes and so on. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's there, there, there's kind of there, there are places that one can consider a heaven and hell, but they're also, uh, they're also things that we can personally live uh, in our human life. And so culture and quality of life and red action and so on like that are, are worthwhile. It's important. I mean, even if the world kind of seems to be going a little crazy at the moment, uh, that's a phase and that actually it's useful to comment on that. It's important to understand. I mentioned at the beginning that uh, we're in a a rising age and that, you know, in the last 10 years, that a lot more people have been waking up. There's, there's kind of a, um, the collective consciousness is rising but just as we have things to purify on a personal level there's there's stuff on the, in the collective that's uh needs to be healed and uh what's happening in the current time as consciousness rises is it's pushing the stuff that that's the shout things that have been hidden in the shadows uh and the things that need to be healed it's pushing them to the surface to be healed but most people uh, don't recognize that that's what's taking place and they're fighting it and, and uh, uh, making a drama and so on like that. Um, and, but if you understand that it's, it's something it's coming up to be resolved and to be completed, and you understand some of the basics of, of how to do that, um, then the experience becomes quite different. And it's actually a very uh, profoundly uh, spiritual period where a lot of progress is taking place for a lot of people. Um, people are having those stage shifts and so on like that. I've seen several just in the last few weeks. Um, so it's a, it's a, we're actually living in quite an amazing time, even if the surface is pretty chaotic <laughs> and eventful. Yeah, and again, it, this, that's, it's useful to have some understanding, but adopting beliefs that aren't your experience isn't entirely helpful either um, so it's in some ways it's used to be useful just to be open-minded and um and think about it in terms of possibility um, yeah, there's one thing that's useful to understand um also in in the terms of of the cycles of time also another thing that happens is that there's awakened teachers that arise and um who have the knowledge of how to wake up others. Because there are certainly lots of spiritual teachers around who have had a clear awakening or, or maybe have, gone, have progressed further, but they don't necessarily know how to help other people wake up. Uh, like Eckhart Tolle famously, in one of his books, has a bunch of techniques in the back of his book, but they are techniques, the culture, and awakening that's already happened. They're not, they're not um, if, if the awakening is a bit soft. Um, they're not techniques that create an awakening. And so there are occasionally these people come along who know how to actually help people wake up and they bring out techniques and stuff like that. And, um, but what tends to happen historically is that they create this wave of people who are spiritually awake. And um, and then after about three or 400 years, the, that core understanding of, like I talked about earlier, about effortlessness and the, you know, the right approach, the techniques, uh, it gets lost and so then people stop waking up and the, and the the uh the quality come, goes down and it shifts from being what I, you know stuff we're talking about shifts from being um con you know um guidelines for living or guidelines for for a, a full experience become concepts and then they kind of become dogma and and the the core understanding is lost, and yet that teaching is still in there. That core is still in there, but it's lost. And you know, from my perspective, I think Jesus was one of those that he came forward and with with an understanding of how to help other people uh, awaken, open their heart, and and awaken to the to the deeper nature of divinity, um, and in the, their their own within themselves. Um, but over time, that was lost and became codified as as um, you know, a belief system and so on like that. So there's beautiful uh, value in there, um, but uh, with the right right technique, you can actually learn to live this stuff rather than just uh, taking on the level of belief. Well, that's my take. <laughs> and it's beautiful too that, that um, um, People your age are are interested in this stuff. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I certainly was as well. But um, but if if all the people in my age group uh, you know go along and they die off, then maybe <laughs> the, uh, understanding will go with us too. So it's it's beautiful that you have to pass the torch.
4: Um, um, I had a question. So, you mentioned that at the beginning, like for example, when you said about Jesus, you said how maybe if we had continued like living that way, it wouldn't necessarily have become more like codified and turned into what it is now. So, I'm assuming like religion like the strict like concept of what a religion is. So, do you think if that hadn't been done, perhaps more people would be in like that awakened state now?
1: Uh, well, yes, in a theoretical way, but there is that broader cycle of consciousness, and um, Jesus came at a time when we were uh, approaching the the trough of the cycles, the the, low, the darkest time. Essentially, the, the the trough of the dark age in about 500, 500 A.D. Um, is um, it was the trough of the of the dark age when consciousness was at, at its lowest, um, and um, so he. You know, apparently came to help uh, people through that process, um, and with that more difficult time. So uh, it would have been very, very difficult for that to have been sustained, for his teaching to have been sustained clearly through the that dark. But it's true, of everything. I mean, I, I I have this degree in vedic science, but here I am, uh, you know, telling you what's wrong with with in, uh, with the, the standard interpretation of of one of the core texts. Um, you know because it's it's uh, it's true of just about everything and I mentioned about Buddhism earlier and and uh, um, you know how that's that's lost its understanding of stages and um, it, it happens the world over um, it's just that's just part of the process of of being human and those very very simple it's just it's, it's just funny because because the 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 way in into source into divine is very very it's the ultimate in simplicity and awakening too it's like one of the things that happens when people wake up sometimes especially people like me who've been studying for a long time like you know how didn't i get that much sooner it's so simple <laughs> but but it's something that has to be recognized directly and um and it's so easy for that simplicity to be lost when when there's strong minds who are thinking they can make it better or or uh, you know, uh, improve on it, or, or you know, the, and and that just messes it up. And, and I've seen that myself, you know, just as a as a meditation teacher and some other people who come along and they learn and then they decide that oh, if I just add this little thing, it'll make it work better, and um, and and that it just kind of falls apart. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a beautiful simplicity in there, but it's so easy for that to get lost. And it's happened over and over but you know there is that potential we're in now for for his teachings to be resolved, revived in a, in a um, in a holistic way where where you, you can come to know what he spoke of directly now I hope I'm not offending anybody I, I, I think uh, uh, Jesus is a, is a beautiful teaching um uh, can't see it from here, but I have a picture. <laughs> um, one of the classic pictures of with the robes. And...
5: Can I say something very quickly? Yes. Yes. I just wanted to say that, uh, just kind of piggybacking off what you were pointing out, is that oftentimes, uh, when these teachings, which are really all of the same nature as far as the the basic direction which was the the recognition of our of our deeper nature when they were coming through these great teachers oftentimes the the teachers would even make a disclaimer that at a certain point the essential understanding would be lost like in in this many hundred years uh you know the the truth of this teaching will decline like um l my wife she was reading a she's reading a book, uh, on the life of Shakyamuni Buddha. And, uh, in this book, which was taken from a direct account of someone that was with him, uh, during, during his, uh, preaching years, he makes this, he makes a statement like that. He says in, in this many, you know, in this many years, the, the Dharma, which I have taught will decline or will be lost in its essence. And I suspect that other teachers also made similar uh, yeah. statements.
1: Yes, I, I would agree. And, and uh, yeah, and, and it's interesting too, because one of the things Buddhist, Buddhism was, was a simplification of the Vedic tradition, because the Vedic tradition lost it, its source. And so it got really caught up in ritual and, and gazillions of gods and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it, it basically at its core, uh, has uh, you know one God perspective, but expressed in many many forms, um, and um, you know it just got to be a bunch of ritual and people people praying to to graven images and you know that kind of that kind of thing, and um, so Buddha came along and brought it back to its core and took away all that all the gods and all that kind of stuff all the ritual and and brought it back to its core what what would actually help you wake up. Um, but now a lot of modern Buddhism has brought a whole bunch of that stuff back again. And they've given some of the gods different names and, and that kind of stuff, but it's the same thing again. <laughs> it's, it's just the nature of human minds to, to want to, to express it. And, and certainly there, there are Buddhists that, that came along and, and experienced these forms. And so they wanted to celebrate them and, and that. But then again, people come along without that. And then it just becomes a belief or a ritual or whatever like that. But it is possible to live this stuff and not just, not just uh, keep it on the level of the belief, because that's just mind. And mind, you know, there's there's beautiful value in in having uh, healthy beliefs, but but why not why not live that too? Take that further.
4: Thank you for answering my question.
1: You're welcome. Um, In The
2: the era that we're in now where, you know, Internet media has allowed pretty much anybody who wants to have a voice to be able to have a voice, whereas in the past, seeking out an illumined teacher might be more of a axiomatically discerning experience because in order to find someone, they would have to
1: already be pretty well established. Do you have any sort yeah, of tips, tricks, and, sorry? Just to let you know on, on that point, uh, my teacher's teacher spent 14 years searching for his teacher. Do you have any like tips,
2: tricks and helpful hints that might help someone who is searching that out find someone who is separate the, the, the wheat from the chaff, find someone who is actually a fundamentally good teacher of this kind of stuff, rather than someone who's just spewing potentially harmful nonsense?
1: Yeah, well, there's not usually too much. Well, there are occasionally um, uh, p- teachers that are a bit harmful, but usually it's just, you know, concepts is the, the issue. And, and um, um, well, one of, the, one of the things that I, I find useful to point out is, is are there awake people around the teacher or is it just the teacher who's awake? Because that means that they they have some ability to help them actually make the shift. Um, also, is this, is this a teacher that you resonate with? You know, because there's some, um, you know, there's some I I, I know teachers that uh, I really value, but do I resonate with them on that level? Um, you know, I've really enjoyed talks and a couple of books by a few teachers that. But um, but you know there no shifts happen with them and, and uh, there's no you know no resonance on that level but um, you know with other ones it did happen and and sometimes people have things where 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 they have kind of chapters in their life where there'll be a, a time where where they're really into certain thing and then um, they'll outgrow it uh, or their their needs will shift and they'll need a somewhat different uh, uh, different thing. And so they'll spend another little bit of time searching again and finding a a teacher or their friend will tell them about something and they'll go check them out. And it's like, whoa, you know, this is cool or whatever. Um, Or sick, I guess that's what I should say. (laughs) Dating myself. Yeah, so it, it's, a, it's it's kind of a process and we all have our own processes. Some people find what will carry them right all the way through. Yeah And some people will go through a, a more chapter-based thing. I had more of a chapter-based life. Mm.
2: Right, thank you for that. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what I find really amazing is I, I, I know a few people who have had uh, or, or several, they several stages awake now in their in their late 20s and you know for me it sort of unfolded in my in my late 50s um and um so there's there's a much smaller life in which to live this out and it's really beautiful to see uh to see that uh unfolding going
0: on of
1: course they're in the middle of they have all the busyness of life and and family and all that kind of stuff yet to happen that, that so they're gonna have a, a lots of ups and downs still. But uh yeah.
3: um so you mentioned that when finding a teacher, um whenever like you wouldn't necessarily like resonate with them, like it would like there'd also be um you you would know like because you know shifts would occur with them, right? So does oh. like
1: well, does better you relate to how they how they talk about it? Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty intellectual and, and uh, visual. Uh, I experience a lot of stuff visually, and um, so I frame things in a certain way. Um, Andrew has a much uh, also has a strong intellect, but also has a more devotional uh, emphasis. Um, so, someone who's really heart based and heart driven uh, is really not going to find you know, reading my articles, very satisfying, um, it's too intellectual. <laughs> um, but other people who are, you know, into consciousness and all the details, and, you know, they really enjoy that, and, and uh, that can be valuable. Um, uh, nobody's waking up through reading my stuff, though. Um, it's more uh, helping support them. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I see myself as a writer, not, not as a teacher, in that kind of spirit, in that kind of spiritual sense. Um, but I do know know a couple of people that are that are doing well, at helping people shift. Yeah, it's kind of an exploration thing. You know, there, there's an old saying that uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that can be really frustrating sometimes when you're looking and not finding. Um, But but there is that tendency for, you know, like like I I looked at a few teachers and so on like that and wasn't finding, you know, the the right thing. And then uh, when my teacher came along, uh, actually I I had known him in the the 70s before I was awake um, a bit. But when he showed up, um, I I think I woke up just a few months later. Of course, I've been witnessing for decades before that too. But the ground was ripe. But um, uh, but yeah, he showed up when the time came, basically. When we connected, the time came. Thank you for the elaboration. And there's much to be learned just from, from the, the broader spiritual community. Um, but you know, I I sometimes go to the Science and Non-Duality conference in California. They have around this time of year, uh, but not this year, of course, because of COVID. But um, that's so because of Science and Non-Duality. They basically have scientists with a spiritual orientation and primarily non-dualists. Um, and then sort of some of the more famous people like Deepak Chopra and and stuff as as speakers and they kind of have the main hall and then downstairs in the basement they have you know a number of other other rooms with speaking going on so they'll have about eight tracks of people speaking at at the same time and what I found was the better speakers were all in the basement (laughs) and you kind of found out by word of mouth who the, the good ones were whereas the famous guys like Deepak Chopra were up on the main stage and uh, you know, being live streamed and all that, but, uh, but he's not awake yet, you know, and, and it's, it's still concepts. So it's, uh, you know, I'm not going to help you wake up that way. But, but you know, it's, it varies, you know, there's some quite remarkable people out there, uh, but they're not always easy to come by. You know, I, I, I know a woman who, who, she lives in Hawaii these days. When she looks at you, she can see not only your, your energy, but she can see your chakras, your DNA, and your, um, <clears throat> your uh, birth chart. Um, what what the, the position of the, the planets were in when you were born. And what that's doing with you right now. And, and uh, just, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> Way beyond what I can do. <laughs> so she's, she's an energy healer. But she mostly does uh, group sessions. She's, she found it's way more effective that she can uh, heal the... Because there's not just, we have our own energy field, but when we sit together in a group like this, with, there's a group field as well, created by the group in consciousness. And so she, she can work on that and heal that, and then that uh, spills over and, and helps everybody. Yeah, it's kind of a very different worldview. <laughs>
0: David, I'm, uh, I'm just so grateful for your your time with us. And I know the students are too. Guys, lots of great questions. Thank you for being so open-hearted. And I know it's a reflection of David's uh, attitude, which is really um, low-key and open and matter-of-fact. And uh, thanks for being so down-to-earth, you know. Oh, thanks you've obviously had very uh, deep experiences that have come a long way and, uh, but we we still feel like, wow, you're very approachable, just like, you know, we felt with Andrew. So um, thank you. Um, And I'll I'll continue to tell the students about your uh, whereabouts, you and Andrew's whereabouts and how they can keep in contact with you uh, if they have any questions or anything like that.